welcome to those of you who are joining us on our online campus, wherever you are in the world, so glad that you are here uh, with us. And to those of you at Pewaukee, so glad that you are here as well. If we haven't met, uh, my name is Morgan. I'm one of the worship pastors on staff here at River Glen. And just a little life update for me, uh, in case you haven't seen or, or heard yet, but I am a new dad as of about four months. Man, he's cute. That's, uh, that's my son, Oliver. Oh, she's cute, too. That's my wife, Mary. Uh, that was us at the fair on, on Wednesday, and it was loads of fun. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mary and I are, are in, the, in the end part of the process of adopting Oliver, and it's been a joy to love him and to watch him grow even over this uh, short period of time. The adoption journey is a hard one, uh, but obviously 100% worth every second of waiting for him to join our family. I'm really excited to have a little bit of a different perspective uh, this weekend. Normally I'm up here leading worship and, and singing, uh, but this weekend looks a little bit different for me. And I'm excited to share what God's put on my heart, and I believe uh, that he has some amazing things he might want to do in our lives as we continue our One at a Time series. This series uh, is based off the book One at a Time by Kyle Eidelman. And I got to tell you, that this has been a really, really great book. Our staff has been working our way through this book for over a year now, and it's been really awesome to be able to work through this. And even as a staff, uh, it's helped us to kind of shift our thinking in how we do ministry and shift our thinking to, to focusing on the one and reaching people uh, one at a time. Last weekend, Jared Walker gave a message all about zooming in and, and focusing in on, on one person, this is how Jesus did, did his ministry. Jesus so often was surrounded by crowds uh, of people, and yet time after time, he chose to, to zoom in, to focus in on one person who needed him in that moment. Jared shared a, a, a parable story told by Jesus about uh, what happens when, when the one sheep wandered off, got lost, and the shepherd left the 99 sheep to go chase after the one because that is the heart of Jesus. People need to know about him and be saved by him. And we do that one person at a time. If you weren't here last weekend, I'd really encourage you to, to go watch that message because that I, this idea is what is at the heart of our church, reaching lost people for Jesus one person at a time. And so I just want to ask you right off the bat today, who is your one? Who is your one? Who's the one person uh, in your life that you know needs Jesus? Who's that one person that can be difficult? Or that one person uh, who is struggling and, and just seems really far from Jesus? Who is that person in your life? I want you to think about that person as we, as we continue this conversation, as we continue this series Maybe you have them written on a light bulb out in our light wall in the lobby. Our goal is to reach people one at a time. But here's what I want to talk about today. Before God can use us to reach that person you just thought about, he's got to do something within us first. Before God can reach you to use that one person that you just thought about, he's got to actually do something within us first. And so today we're talking about what it means for God to do something in us before he uses us 
to do something amazing in his kingdom, before he uses us to reach those ones in our lives. And so as we're talking about uh, God working in us, I, I want to start our time by, by doing that, by praying and, and asking for God to, to work in us, to prepare our hearts for what he might want to do through us. See, I believe that this is a really important thing for us to, to pray over as a church. This is the heart of Jesus and the, and the heart of our church, and I think the best thing we can do is, is pray over this conversation and ask God for clarity and for our hearts to have a desire to reach lost people. So this morning, let's just go ahead and pray over this uh, together. Lord, we thank you for uh, this place and this time that we've gathered together. Uh, Lord, we pray right now that you would, you would open up our hearts, that as we talk about what you're doing within us, uh, that you would make that known to us. Uh, and Lord, we, uh, we pray over those people who are in our lives that are far from you or that need you. Uh, Lord, would you give us a heart for those ones, for those people in our lives this morning? We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. When my wife and I bought our first house back in 2018, one of the first things I knew I wanted to do was to have a garden. My mom had had a garden growing up. I was pretty familiar with it. And so I knew that uh, when we got our house, I, I wanted to have a garden. And the, the house that we bought had a big backyard and there were uh, a couple of really good, good spots for a garden. And so I went out and I got all the, all the supplies to build the boxes. I got the, the vegetable plants I would need. I got the, the soil that I was going to need. And I, I got all this stuff together and began putting together this nice little vegetable garden. In my mind, I was excited to have fresh vegetables to, you know, make for dinner or to just snack on or, or whatever. But what I quickly realized was that tending to a garden was not a simple task, nor one that can just be left to its own devices. So I did pretty well keeping up with watering and weeding for the first couple weeks, but as time went on, I got worse and worse at tending to this garden. I would, I would forget to water them. I'd forget to weed the boxes. Plants were getting choked out by other plants and uh, weeds were creeping in from like outside the boxes into the boxes. And I would even forget to pick the things that were ready to be brought in, which meant that we had some like comically large zucchinis in our kitchen. I realized I wasn't great at tending to a garden when the next summer I went out to get the boxes ready for the next year. And this is what they looked like. That top one there is before and the bottom one is after working on it a little bit. But that's what they looked like. Not great. See, I was so excited for the end result of the garden. I, I wanted the vegetables. I wanted what the garden was going to produce, but I wasn't ready to take care of the things that would produce them. I wasn't ready to, to do all of the work that would allow those things to grow. And so often the same concept applies to our relationship with Jesus. We want him to use us to do amazing things. We want him to work through us to do something incredible, but we don't first allow him to do something in us. We want to jump right to what's being produced. We want Jesus to do something uh, great through us, and we want it to happen immediately. We want it to be this quick and an easy thing. But just like planting and cultivating a garden, there's a process. There's a process. There are things that have to happen within us First, everything great Jesus wants to do through us will stem from what he's already doing within us. 
The Bible uses this agricultural metaphor of planting and sowing and harvesting quite frequently to help us understand how God wants to use us uh, to make an impact in the kingdom and in the world. And, and the harvest, what God wants to do through us, doesn't come without effort. God calls us to a life of doing the hard work, to plant the seeds and cultivate our relationship with him so that he can use us and do something through us. And so I think that maybe the best way to become a person who makes an impact in the kingdom and in the world is not to say, God, what do you want to do through me? But to first ask the question, God, what are you wanting to do in me? And that's the part, that's the hard work that we sometimes want to skip. God wants to do something great through you, but first he wants to do something within you, and he'll use what he's doing in you to do something great through you. I've known since I was in high school that I wanted to be uh, a worship pastor. I was passionate about, uh, about music and about ministry, and, and from the outside looking in, uh, this job was right in my wheelhouse. It, it, it seemed like a perfect fit, and so uh, that's what I went to college for. That's what I, I got my degree in, and my passion for music and for ministry continued to grow and continued to develop. And then pretty early on in my worship ministry career, I met with a counselor as part of an interview process, and he said, so, you're an introvert. And I said, oh yeah, very much so. And I'll never forget what he said back to me. He said, ministry is going to be really hard for you. And, it was, and that was one of the first times that it hit me that ministry was not about the music. Being a pastor was not about the music. Being a pastor was about the people. And for an introvert like me, being there for people is hard. It is draining for me sometimes to, to be there for people. But the job of ministry is people. And I began to realize that God was going to need to do some things in me before he could use me to reach lost people one at a time. That's ultimately what he wants to do through all of us, right? He wants to use our stories, use our, our lives to, 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 to reach lost people and bring them to him. But in order to do that, God needs us to allow him in to work in us so that he can use us to reach those that are far from him. So as we look at this in-then-through approach, through the lens of reaching lost people for Jesus, the question we need to ask ourselves today is this. What does the in look like in my life? What does the in look like? And I believe first and foremost that the in happens alone. The in happens alone. One of the best pieces of advice that was ever uh, given to me about going into ministry was this. Simply be rooted in Christ and in his word. Be rooted in your relationship with him. Be at a place where nothing else matters in that moment other than the time you're spending cultivating your relationship with Jesus. The moments that God can speak to us reveal things about us or about him himself, the moments he can begin to work in us are when we are alone with him. This might be your quiet time in the, or your devotional time in the morning before any of the chaos of your day begins, before the kids wake up. 
before you start checking your phone for work emails that need answered. This is the, this is the part of our lives where we wake up and we do some tending and some cultivating. These are the moments that we separate ourselves from the rest of the world to just be with Jesus, to pray and to reflect. The moments that we actually practice solitude and spend time with him. Now, if there was anyone that could have skipped the in part of this and gone straight to the through, it would be Jesus, right? It, it would seem like he would be able to kind of skip the in part and just go start helping people. But even Jesus in his ministry modeled this in then through approach. There's a great example in the Gospel of Mark. We see it right in chapter 1. Jesus is going around the region preaching and teaching and, and performing miracles, and crowds of people begin to gather around him. Mark 133 says, the whole town gathered at the door. These were not small crowds that were coming to see Jesus. These were towns of people that were coming to see him, many of whom were needing something from Jesus, many of whom were showing up because they needed Jesus to do something for them. It would have been easy for Jesus to wake up in the morning see the needs of this crowd, and just begin working. It would have been easy for him to wake up and to, and to hear all these things that people needed him to do and just start doing, just start teaching, start healing, start helping people understand about the kingdom of God, but that's not what Jesus does. In verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is what living an in then through life requires of us. This is the part that we always want to skip. We want to wake up in the morning and just go do, but it doesn't work. It doesn't produce anything. That's not how harvest comes. If we want a harvest, we've got to wake up in the morning and do some planting and some cultivating and some tending to the garden. And the work you do in the garden is work you do alone with God. And you can find any time in the day that works best for you. It's not like you have to wake up an hour early every day. Start with 15 minutes. 15 minutes of your day devoted fully and only to Jesus. It doesn't even have to be in the morning. You could do it during your lunch hour. You could do it right before you uh, go to bed at night. And maybe you're thinking, sure, it sounds easy, but I don't even know where to start. Starting to read the Bible or starting to pray regularly can seem like a daunting task, but it doesn't have to. We have a one-at-a-time reading plan that, that you, can, you can do on the YouVersion Bible app. That would be a great place to start. It's guided. It tells you exactly what, you, uh, what, what, what to do, and it's a great way to start a daily rhythm and routine of spending time with Jesus and investing in your relationship with him. I also want to share with you what I believe to be a, a, a really helpful devotional tool called BREAD, B-R-E-A-D. It's an acronym uh, that helps us remember the process of having alone time with God. And I want to walk you through the BREAD process uh, because this could be a really great way for you to start engaging in a time with God to begin to work in you. And so the first is B, which is for be still. Be still. Go Find a place 
that you can encounter God somewhere quiet, somewhere solitary. Leave your phone somewhere else so there's no distractions and take a moment of stillness. Slow down your breathing and calm your mind. Fix your eyes on Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to guide your time. The R is for read. This is where we read through a passage of scripture. If you don't know where to start, uh, start in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read about the life of Jesus. Read slowly. Look for things that, that stick out to you. Maybe read it multiple times, which leads us then to encounter, which is the E. Take this passage, begin to focus on it, begin to think about it and internalize it. How does it make you feel? What do you think God is, is, is wanting to say to you or wanting to, to reveal to you in this moment? Maybe you write down what God might be saying to you in that moment. The A is apply. This is where we begin to turn our focus outward. Everything up until this point has been, has been uh, inward. It's been taking things in and internalizing. And now we begin to focus outward. How does, how does this apply to my life? How does this apply to my day? And then that leads us to the D, which is devote. This is where we close in, in, in writing a, a prayer to God, devoting our day to him, devoting our time to him, and committing our day and, and asking him to fill us up for that day. I'll be honest, this daily routine and, and rhythm of spending time in the word and prayer is something that's actually really hard for me. Uh, this is an area that I have never been great in. And you might agree with me that it's easier said than done to, to get up in the morning and devote time to your relationship with Jesus. Time is a hot commodity in our world. And I, I understand it's hard to, to commit to that time, but I believe that the more time we spend with God, the more time we spend in prayer and in his word, a hunger for Jesus will develop in our lives. It's in this very intentional time with Jesus that he'll begin to shape us. He'll begin to, to maybe even challenge us in certain areas of our lives. He'll begin to do a work in us that he'll then use to do something through us. This is the planting and the cultivating in our hearts that will lead to growth. Jesus didn't allow himself to be distracted by the immediate and very loud demands of the people, Jesus went off to be alone, to a solitary place where he could spend time with his heavenly father. This was his way of being reminded and refocused on what his mission on earth was. And I love the rest of the story in, in Mark 1 as Jesus is, is off somewhere being alone and praying and spending time with God. The disciples are back at the house and this crowd begins to gather at the door. And I'm guessing they're starting to hear whispers of things that people were going to need Jesus to do. And they've probably seen this before. The crowd starts to gather and, and needs start to be uh, talked about. Meanwhile, Jesus is nowhere to be found. Jesus is gone. And they're like, we need Jesus. And so I, I actually had a friend who uh, would do this in college. Uh, he was uh, a member of our band, and we would, we would go and we would uh, lead worship for student conferences a couple times a year. And he was notorious for randomly disappearing at very inopportune times. And I, I can laugh about it now, 
But in the moment, it was frantic. And it wasn't like, oh, an hour before, you know, we're not sure where he is. No, it's like the students are here, the music's playing. Uh, we've got like two minutes before we got to be out on stage. Where is he? And it's a frantic feeling, and I can only imagine that the disciples are feeling this pressure as this crowd begins to gather at the door. And eventually they find Jesus, and they, they frantically say to him, don't you know that everyone is looking for you? And this is how Jesus responds. I love this. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. I can only imagine what the disciples are thinking here. Seeing the needs of this crowd that has gathered. And Jesus says, actually, we're going to go somewhere else. And so it says he traveled throughout Galilee and preached in the synagogues and, and drove out demons. But the amazing part is that in his solitude, in his alone time with God, he's reminded of what he came to do and he changes the plan. He recognizes where the need actually is for reaching lost people in that moment. Author Peter Scacerzo says this, our doing for God should flow from our being with God. Being alone with God is what shapes and molds us into what he needs us to be in order to reach the one, in order to seek out those who are far from Jesus and bring them back to him. And I know it's not always easy to find that time. I know and, and I understand, but I promise you it's possible. And I can also promise you that it is worth it. God calls us to the hard work of cultivating our relationship with him so that he can use us to further his kingdom. A second thing to understand is, is that the in directs the through. Mother Teresa is probably one of the uh, most well-known people in the entire world. Her ministry uh, was huge. She, she, she helped so many people, and she cared deeply for so many people. An interviewer once asked her, how do you start your day? What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? And her response was prayer. She would wake up at 4.30 in the morning and begin to pray. And when the interviewer asked what she did after that, she said, well, we try to keep praying. The interviewer was looking for the, the best practices, the secret to her success, and this is what she responds with. I don't claim anything of the work. It is his work. I am like a little pencil in his hand, that's all. He does the thinking. He does the writing. The pencil has nothing to do with it. The pencil is just available to be used. See, what Mother Teresa was allowing God to do within her was directing and dictating what she would do for others. God did some incredible things through her, but, but everything she did was directed by what God was already doing in her heart. If we go back to our story in, in Mark 1, we see Jesus do this as well. It's through his alone time with the Father that his plan changes, and he decides to go do ministry somewhere else. It's in that time, that, that alone time with the Father, that he allows it to redirect him to go and do ministry uh, in another place, because that's what he came to do. 
our world and our culture for some time now has been uh, obsessed with life hacks or shortcuts to accomplishing a task or, or uh, an easier way to get the same result. And so I, I thought I'd, I'd share a couple of life hacks that I, I found uh, that you might find interesting. Um, I found them very helpful. Here's the first one. Pro tip, if your car is making an unsettling noise, just turn the radio up until it goes away. And that seems like pretty flawless logic to me. Uh, here's the second one. This one's my favorite. Pro tip, if you stir coconut oil into your kale, it makes it easier to scrape into the trash. <laughs> I don't know. I found those helpful. But in a world full of life hacks, full of making things easier and more convenient for ourselves, sometimes we look for that same thing in our relationship with Jesus. And friends, I'm here to tell you that there's no shortcut. There's no life hack for deepening our relationship with Jesus. It takes time. It takes effort and intentionality. And as the work Jesus is doing within us continues to grow and be cultivated, it will direct what God will do through us. As I was getting ready for this message, I had to uh, drive to Chicago uh, to pick up my wife from the airport. And uh, it was, was, was going to be a late night. Uh, her flight got in at like 10 or something like that. And it was a two-hour drive. And so my, my friend Graham got in the truck with me, hopped in, and, and was like, hey, I'll go with you. And uh, we got to talking on the way there about this message. And I told him that it was, it was kind of a hard one for me to write. Because I feel like it's not something I'm actually, I'm actually great at. I feel like sometimes I struggle with this. And through that conversation, I felt the Lord kind of tug at my heart a little bit. And say, I might need to do something through you in this, but I need you to let me do something in you first. And through that process, just being brutally honest, I came to a couple hard realizations. I came to the realization that I wasn't giving him the time or the effort or the energy that he deserved. It was also tough to come to the realization that the vast majority of my prayer life happened on this stage. It wasn't in the quiet and solitary places that I could pray on, on what's on my heart and listen for him. But as I began and as I continue to work on the in, I believe that he will use what I do in those moments to define and direct what he'll do through me. And finally, the in requires surrender. Surrender can be tough. Sometimes we hear that word and we wince a little bit. We get a little hesitant because surrender requires something from us. In Luke 9, 23, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross, look at this word, daily, daily, and follow me. Surrender is not a passive thing. It's something we actively choose to do on a daily basis. Every day should be a day that we surrender ourselves to whatever Jesus wants to do in our hearts. And sometimes that can be a terrifying thing to ask for. As humans, we resort to believing that surrender is bad. Surrender means that we failed in some way or that it's a sign of weakness but in the life of a follower of Jesus, surrender is the best thing we could ever do. We see in the Gospels as Jesus is calling those who would be his disciples to follow him. 
Uh, They're all called to surrender in some way. Peter and Andrew left their life of fishing, and Jesus said, I'll actually make you fishers of men, just like James and John. Matthew left his life of riches as a tax collector to follow Jesus. They all had to surrender something, and the same goes for us. We have to actively allow Jesus into our hearts. Surrender might look like surrendering our comfort, surrendering our our morning routine in order to allow him into it, surrendering the things that take up the time we could be spending growing our relationship with Jesus. Maybe that means watching less of the news. Maybe that means surrendering time on your phone and setting aside the endless influx of constant information in order to just be still and to be with Jesus. So here's maybe a difficult question that I want us all to ask ourselves. Do I have a desire for Jesus? Do I have a desire for Jesus? Do I have the desire in me to allow Jesus into my heart and change me for the better? We want God to use us, but do we have an equal desire to surrender our hearts to him and allow him to work in us? Friends, we need to develop a desire for the transformative work of Jesus in our hearts. Because without that, without the planting and the cultivating and the tending of our relationship with Jesus, we become stagnant and content. Weeds begin to take over. Our lives begin to look like my terrible garden beds. You want God to do something through you? You want him to, you want him to help you reach that one person in your life? You've got to let him work in you first. Maybe that means you need to start simply reading your Bible. You can download the, the YouVersion app if you, if you don't have a Bible. Or, you know what, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Go out to the Next Steps Hub and, and ask for a Bible. We'd love to, to give you a Bible so that you can read it and become familiar with it. Maybe you need to, to pick up this book and look at how Jesus reached lost people. Look at how Jesus did ministry and how he reached those who were far from him. Maybe you just need to start praying and talking to God regularly. Not just when you, not just when you need something. And not just when times are really good, but in the normal moments of life. Here in just a moment, we're going to respond together in worship. And we're going we're gonna to sing a couple songs that are a little bit older. Uh, I grew up singing these songs in church. And, um, but they are beautiful, and they, they capture this idea so well. They talk about having a, a desperation for Jesus, having a desire for Jesus, being lost without him. And laying all of these things down at the feet of Jesus in surrender so that we can have a relationship with him without distractions. And as we go into this time and and throughout this next week, I I want you to pray and ask God this question. God, what are you wanting to do in me? I believe that God can and will do amazing and wonderful things through each one of us in some capacity. 
But before we can get to that place, we need to allow him in. Let's allow him to use whatever he's doing in us to then use us to go out and reach broken and lost people in the world. And so I want to invite you to use this time however you feel like you need to. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to sing these songs out. Maybe you need to engage in a, in a time of worship and adoration. Maybe you need to just spend some time in prayer asking God to, to work in you, allowing him in and inviting Jesus in to, to begin that work in you. Maybe today is your first time ever even hearing about Jesus. And I want you to know that he loves you and that he is lovingly and intentionally pursuing you to have a relationship with you and to begin changing your life. And all you have to do is say yes. The invitation to follow Jesus never closes. It never expires. It's always open and he's ready for you. Friends, let's surrender to him. Let's lay it all at the feet of Jesus so that he can begin working within us. I want to invite you to stand right now as we pray over this idea, over, over Jesus beginning to work in us, and then we'll respond and worship together. So God, we thank you uh, for what you are doing within us. And Lord, right now we just pray that, that you would give us a recognition of what you're doing in our lives and in our hearts so that we can also recognize when you're trying to use us to do something great. And Lord, right now we pray over those ones in our lives, those people that you've called us to, to reach and make an impact in their lives. Lord, we, we lift them up to you. Lord, would you help us make an impact in their lives and, and bring them closer to you? You have called us to go and to, and to make disciples and to bring them to you. And so, God, I pray that you would impress that on our hearts, that that, that would be our goal together. And Lord, we surrender to you in this moment. We surrender our hearts to whatever it is you need to do within us. I pray right now that over the next few moments as we continue to worship you, as we sing, that, that you would just help us open ourselves up to you. And that you would begin working in us so that we can reach those who are broken and who are lost and bring them back to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.